strategies employed there, um, which is which is good because I think that you know that people are taking um, these types of strategies, which allows you to you know, mitigate the risk, maybe concentrate um, or increase your your returns by focusing on certain exposures that you, you want to target. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to IBKR Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Praisman. It's my pleasure to welcome back the co-founders of Market Chameleon, Will McBride and Dimitri Pagamatic. Hey, guys. Happy 2024. Hey, hey, Jeff. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us as always, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure. And, you know, thanks for coming by the IPKR podcast studio. We just finished up the great webinar on uh, multi-leg option strategies and how to scan for them. I'd like to take this opportunity on this podcast to take a little bit of a deep dive into that subject. So for our listeners, if you missed the webinar, there'll be links in the viewing notes for this podcast. So kind of to kick it off, you know, multi-leg option trades, they obviously contain more than one option. But there are certain combinations which have specific names, such as like strangle or vertical spread, iron condor, just to name a few. Will and Dimitri, are all spreads created equal and perform the same under the same market conditions? Or are different combinations meant to profit or protect against certain movements or non-movements in the other underlying? When we look at multi-leg trades, what we're talking about is, you know, when, when people take options instead of just a, a single leg call or put, they'll combine options, you know, more than one option in a single trade to express a certain viewpoint, which can be much more focused. So instead of just using options, for example, as a directional play, you can be more creative and use options for expressing your view on volatility. You could construct a option strategy based on a trading range or sideways trading. Um, you could also use them if you have an opinion about interest rates or dividends in a particular stock, or even if the stock may become hard to borrow. Um, so the when we when we look at multi-leg trades, they become very important because you can glean much deeper understanding how people may be using them and what may be the intent of the strategy. So it's more than just looking at overall volume, in other words, and looking at spread volume versus just overall volume, you, you are going to um, possibly see volatility movements, you know, maybe price discovery and, and certain other things that just straight volume by itself can't give you the full picture for. Yeah, exactly. When one, one of the starting points for many traders when they do their research is to look for unusual option volume. And when we look at an unusual option volume, you know, you could take a particular stock and say, okay, typically on an average day, there are 3,000 option contracts that trade in this stock. And today we see 10,000 contracts. But now that you filtered that out, the real question is what lies underneath that volume? What are people actually doing? And many times the bulk of the volume or maybe even most of the volume could be coming from multi 
leg option spreads. And when we and that's why they become very important because with that, when we look at the options, we have to work backwards and say, well, what were the different legs of the trade and try to interpret what was the targeted strategy behind this trade. And that's when you start diving much deeper into the into that volume to understand, you know, what is trading, because it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're in the business of buying and selling sneakers or cars or real estate, you have to know the market that you are participating in and what is trading. Um, what are the prices people are transacting that? What are the trends? What is typical, not typical? And part of that is to analyze the actual volume and what is that trading activity. So what, what percentage of the overall op option volume are multi-leg trades? I think a lot of people will be surprised at how much of our market is comprised of multi-leg trading. Now, usually we're seeing, you know, somewhere in the in the 40, mid 40% of the overall volume is multi-leg trades. And if we add contingent trades, which are trades that also include a stock leg to it, we're getting close to half the overall trading volume is in these types of strategies. Um, and it's and it's been growing and becoming more and more popular. Um, so it is a, it's a very important uh, piece of the trading activity overall. And you know, what are some of the more popular spreads that you found are trading these days? So far, the most popular strategies are the ones that involve two different options. You know, two legs, like a bullish call spread or or a put spread, and that's followed by um, calendar spreads, diagonal spreads. You know, straddles, strangles. We start seeing some of those types of trading drop off a little bit. Usually, the the vertical spreads and horizontal spreads are the most popular by the number of times we see those types of trades. We do see three-legged trades, such as um, you know, like a butterfly. We even see four-legged trades, like iron condors, and even more. But the use of those, even though it is, you know, growing and we're seeing more and more use use cases, they drop off significantly compared to like two-legged strategies. Yeah, and, I, and that makes the most sense to me as well. That you know, the, the two-legged strategy would be the most popular and sort of as you're adding more and more legs to it, it's probably less and less used or less and less popular among, among traders. But but who, you know, who is using multi-leg trades? Is it professional traders? Is it retail? What sizes are you seeing that would kind of, you know, kind of lend you to think that they're, you know, is it kind of spread evenly? Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that we track is when we take a look at um, these multi-leg trades, and we bucket them based on the trade quantity. And, you know, we because we do see very large volume in certain multi-leg trades. Um, but then we see a lot of trades that are 
employing multi-lake strategies, but you'll see maybe one, two, three lot type spreads, um, which are more typical of retail size trades. And we see about 70% of the trades coming from retail size orders, right? That, that doesn't mean 70% of the overall volume, but 70% of the, the trades themselves to us look like they're more retail size trades, but we do see very big, large traders using multi-lakes trades as well. So we do see them across the board, but it, they are becoming very popular with, with retail traders. Now, I wanna kind of take it from the other side of it. You know, we're kind of sort of talking about from the trading side, but how does the you know how do the exchanges handle multi-leg trades that are submitted as combinations? You know, do the exchanges mark them the trades as spreads, or is it just something that you you sort of interpret through the volume and the time in sales, and sort of you know kind of extrapolate the um, you know the fact that it was a spread based on other factors? Yeah, like how do we know that a tr that uh, a spread actually traded and it wasn't just you know two different uh, calls uh, that traded separately. And that's a good question. Um, and right now, the way the trades are being reported um, on the trade tape is that they look like individual trades, but they are marked that it is a multi-link. So it's, you had a call spread, what you'll see is two different trades, you know, two different calls that traded for this quantity price, and so forth, but they'll mark it as this was a multi-leg trade, this was a multi-leg trade, and they kind of leave it at that. So it would be up to you to look at that data information and come up with a reasonable logic to stitch back that data together to say, well, these two individual trades are related and then make an interpretation that the most likely strategy based on this information was it was a call spread, for example, um, or put spread. Uh, so there, there's information out there on a trading tape, but it's limited, but it gives you enough information that most of the time you could come up with a logical conclusion what just transpired. And, and that's the way right now it's being reported, you know, so they won't come out and tell you, you know, that this original order was a bullish call spread, for example, or a straddle or a strangle. Um, it doesn't go that far. So it is, you know, it's left up to interpretation um, once you gather up that data and, and make that link. You know, besides for volume, which is obviously important and drawing to, to kind of decipher what sort of spreads and, you know, how much they traded, you know, when looking at spreads and, you know, trying to determine the reason behind putting on the position, you know, what other other important factories, what are other important factors, you know, maybe such as like open interest or underlying price, you know, news, what, you know, what else plays into the, to your analysis? Yeah, no, that's a good question too, because sometimes you could look at a particular spread and you could kind of figure out what the intent was based on other circumstances surrounding it. For example, we see very large, you know, dividend capture strategies, right? Right before a stock goes ex-dividend, um, you see very large 
spreads going up and deep in the money calls with open interest because certain players out there are trying to, you know, um, take advantage of perhaps the open interest somebody forgets to, you know, early exercise or deep in the money puts, for example, that has uh, existing open interest and there will be other traders that will try to exploit somebody else's inefficiency, um, not, you know, exercising those puts for the interest. And you could kind of figure those out based on other circumstances. And in this situation that I gave you have been, you know, open interest and maybe, you know, in, in the case of the next dividend, if, if the stock was going next dividend the next day. Um, so, and, and a lot of that, it's, you know, from experience, you, you'd have to know, like, these are the types of traders out there and this is what their intent is in this situation. Um, sometimes we see uh, roles that are, that are recurring, you know, they'll roll from one option to the next. Um, and sometimes you could even see it's, you know, it's consistent um, by the timing as well. And there are certain strategies out there that that have to roll that they they're just based on, you know, rolling to the next to to the next um, expiration, for example. Um, so these so these are other clues that you could tap into by using, you know, other information. Like I said, it could be an open interest. It could be you know an ex dividend coming up. It could be. Um, uh, you know, expiration, it could, it could be earnings, uh, and that, that will, you know, allow you to make, you know, better determinations of what just happened. Now, is it possible to determine which side of the spread the trader took? Yeah. So every trade, you know, will, will have a buyer and a seller right, to, to transact. And the question is, well, what maybe, Who's the initiating trader, right? Who the the person, the end user that wanted to initiate the trade and maybe access the liquidity of the markets. And sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes you could make a determination who's the initiating uh, trader or the most likely uh, initiating trader based on certain surrounding circumstances, like you know the markets at the time that of the trade and where the trade price happened relative to the markets but it's not always that that's simple um you know you could look at how the markets were lined up prior to the trade you know at the time of the trade and after the trade um that could clue you in sometimes you'd have to look at um you know if it was maybe a call spread that traded you might want to take a look at the the synthetic or the corresponding put spread where the market is to get a sense of where the initiating the initiating trade came from. So that that one it's not a simple answer. It's not provided to you, you know, in the trade tape where you know there was an incoming order from a customer and they bought it from a market maker. We don't have that information. That's not provided. Uh, but there are, you know, surrounding data points that 
there are instances where you could make a you know logical inference with a high degree of confidence got it got it now do do people day trade spreads are they more of a long-term play yes so we did look at that as well you know when we looked at the spread we'll you know and, and sometimes you will see certain spreads that they they will uh trade in the morning and then we we kind of track the trading in that particular spread to see if they trade out of it they hold on to it you know um do they accumulate more and we see both um sometimes people will look at a call spread for example and they trade the call spread they'll have a viewpoint that day maybe that the stock is more likely to go up for example and they're going to choose to use a call spread to um you know to get that that long exposure and we've seen you know the call spreads sometimes trade in the morning and they'll trade out them in the afternoon sometimes at the end of the day and sometimes they're locking in profits sometimes they're locking in losses as well um you know and, and then there are other times where people will put on and put on a spread and they will hold on to that spread all the way till expiration you know even if it's going out many months out so it's very interesting that you know lots of different ways people will tr will use the multi-leg trades and trade trade with trade them um and we've seen both sides now in you know in several past podcasts and webinars the, the three of us have discussed option volume it's you know it's been a subject that we you know go back to and, and discuss you know and i'm curious you know, it's generally, it's it's always been overall option volume that we've talked about. But I'm curious, what underlyings, you know, have you seen have the most spread volume recently? Yeah, and what we've seen is that pretty much, you know, across the board, we were seeing people use multi-leg trades almost, you know, in all stocks you know so it's not even very it's not exclusive to certain particular stocks that people use multi-leg trades like for example zero dt options you only see them in a few places where they list zero dt um, multi-leg trades we're seeing them applied across the board um you know from the the top tier uh stocks you know the you know the top the top you know the amazons meta tesla all those but even in the the stocks that have even less volume um we still see a good amount of multi-leg multi-leg strategies employed there um which is which is good because i think that you know that people are taking um these types of strategies, which allows you to, you know, mitigate your risk, maybe concentrate, um, or increase your your returns by focusing on certain exposures that you 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 want to target, um, and that's that that that's been the trend that we're seeing in multi-leg trades really, you know, applied across the board. 
Well, Will and Dimitri, thank you guys so much for coming by. It's always a pleasure to have you in the studio. And for more from Market Chameleon, please go to ibkr.com, click on Education, then IBKR Campus, and select IBKR Campus Contributors and look for Market Chameleon. And for our listeners who want to dive deeper into multi-lake combinations, I highly recommend watching the webinar uh, that Will and Dimitri just finished. The links are in the study notes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Jeff Praisman with Interactive Brokers. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBQR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, seek professional advice. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Multiple like strategies, including spreads, will incur multiple transaction costs.